So, if you've ever wanted a space with feminist thoughts and news from all across Africa, then this is the space for you. I get to talk to amazing black women from all over the world and speak on some of those core issues we don't quite get to unpack in those public spaces. Here, we speak on what it means to be a superwoman, learn about consent, finding pleasure within our own bodies, wink wink, get empowered with Donna so we get our finances right, all while discovering amazing African minds. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and like, and take this Afro-feminist journey with me. When I first started this podcast, it was clear to me that the very, very first episode had to be What is Feminism? Because I wanted to talk about just what it is, what is so bad about the F-word. I know in my own personal life, I faced challenges when I decided to identify as a feminist and stand for feminist politics and really be an activist in this space and i had people judging me without first understanding what it is i stood up for and there's been lots of confusion about what it is feminism is and i felt that the best people to interview for this very first episode were the people who wrote the book challenging patriarchy and one of the editors her name is rosie she's a feminist writer and award-winning blogger the current curator and editor of african feminism joined me together with linda and nirima who are both lawyers human rights lawyers and these are the people who came together because i know that it's important to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you first of all and all these amazing women are and listen to this as we really take a deep dive into what feminism is welcome to it's a feminist thing our very first podcast episode i thought that it would be the very best thing to start with actually talking about what is feminism what it is exactly when you do a quick google search what it tells you is it's the advocacy of women's rights on the ground of equality of sexes but as you know this has taken many shapes and people have defined many own words so joining me today are three guests you've already heard the intro but i just wanted to get to know from you guys you stated in the book that through the reading and editing of the articles in this book it was clear that the understanding and practice of feminism is multifaceted can you please tell us a bit about how feminism is multifaceted in your own words and we can start with rosie Hey, Roswell here. Thank you. Um, I think it's um, first working on this book was so important to understand that there's not just feminism, there's different feminisms stemming from um, positionality of where we are as people and um, and the fact that they're fundamentals, but how we arrive there is um, influenced by where people are, at, uh, places, you know, um, identities. So to understand that feminism is both politics and practice um, of liberation from oppressions that are related to sexism. Um, so it's not just about women's rights, really, uh, and equality in that sense, but actually looking at oppression and existing um, oppressions that are are, are both uh, not because often when you say it's about women, then you're explicitly um, denying the fact that there are the people um, and other oppressions that are in, uh, are in the section of sexuality and how these oppressions like uh, capitalism and imperialism 
um, and patriarchy intersect, um, they would manifest differently for different people, different bodies and different localities. So it's to start by saying that there'll be different um, feminisms best of that. Okay, yes, I agree. Um, for Linda, as being a human rights lawyer, what are the different ways in terms of the laws and policies have you seen sort of feminism taking shape in the human rights sort of industry? Um, thank you very much uh, for the question. Um, with regards to my practice and my colleagues' uh, practice or in human rights and being able to create or <clears throat> or advocate for a space that um, promotes intersectionality, um, I think some of the key lessons that we continue to learn in terms of being able to practice uh, feminism and quite specifically within the African context and more so within the human rights space is that um, the feminist approach is lacking in a lot of the laws and policies that we have that generally touch on women. We've seen um, feminization of various socio-economic aspects um, in the work that we do, but the laws and policies that we usually have in place do not necessarily reflect um, providing reprieve or remedies to address these feminist problems with feminist solutions. Uh, specifically for us in sexual and reproductive health and rights, where we try to use law and policy to sort of um, provide this reprieve that we attempt to bring within the human rights space. Um, it's a very glaring gap that we are able to see um, with that regard. And then more so looking at the intricate details of how um, culture, urban practice um, continues to affect how we as feminists practice and how our society continues to perceive women and girls um, it continues to show us that that um, there's quite a specific gap with that um, regard given that we've seen that um, feminism has been in existence in our cultures in different uh, multifaceted ways as we'd intimated um, and also as Roosevelt has intimated we've seen it morph into something different um, across the years and more so right now in the 21st century where there are so many different aspects and trying to be able to contextualize it towards our African setup I think has been a key driving point and also now having that application uh, towards laws and policies to properly address the feminization aspect of a lot of the socioeconomic issues and challenges that we continue to see um, in our society. Okay, um, speaking about African feminism and the way it's practiced here in Africa, um, something that I loved that was in your launch, in your launch in the book Patriarchy, um, was how African feminism doesn't exist in opposition to Western feminism, but it existed on its own even before Western feminism. So can you tell us a bit about some of the feminist influences in your own life and how they have influenced you, especially on the African continent? And this one will be for Nerema. Um, 
Okay, thank you, Amanda, for that question. So, yeah, I do agree with the notion that African feminism exists on its own, only because it would be very difficult to imagine that women have existed and survived for as long as we have without ways of organizing and ways of trying to protect ourselves and trying to really challenge power structures. And I think we do have, we do have this throughout our histories in different countries that we've seen very many different women in this continent really organizing and showing the power of organization to challenge power structures. It's just that it's not as documented as well as a feminist thing. It's more just documented as maybe a women's movement issue, not necessarily understood within the lens of feminism. And I think some of the influences that I would speak to, one would be from my own country, would be Wangari Maathai, who is an eco-feminist, um, really from the late 80s into the 90s, challenging structures and how land and resources were being utilized by the government and how there was a consistent refusal to recognize that we cannot continue to use land in a capitalist manner not cognizant of the fact that it is a finite resource. I think you got cut off there, but if Rosie, you're okay with continuing. Um, I wanted to ask, would you guys think that there's a problem more on the language of the policies and the documentation? or the way in which we are representing and talking about African feminism? Well, I just think that one has to understand that feminism is resistance. So, uh, and it's resistance for, um, from both from our, pardon? It's resistance. It's it's a resistance. People are resisting a status quo which has existed for centuries, and for me, the understanding um, is purely um, in terms of labels. Like people can actually be fighting um, feminist causes without actually understanding that they are labeled feminist causes. So it. The idea that people must say they're feminist, I understand the need because it's political, because of the history of when someone says I'm feminist and how they are understood. But at the same time, I understand that people are doing this exact work that my grandmother would not have understood the word feminism, but yet she did feminist work. So to understand that um, that, that there is, these are ongoing different battles in different directions and not really, really worked up by some people intentionally. Often it's intentional misunderstanding. It's like when we are right now in a global protest movement on Black Lives Matter, if someone is still intentional misunderstanding what black people want, it's the same feeling I have. I cannot waste my time on that. But I think that it's important to uh, expand, uh, break down the understanding of feminism within people who are open to learning, uh, open to make changes because uh, what, what feminist agenda is, is that you have to be uncomfortable enough if you're in a place of privilege. And this is not just about men, but if you understand, it's, it's about systems and in both women and men, it's powers 
systems uh like patriarchal systems if you're a woman who in a patriarchal capitalist system if you're a woman in in your certain position of power um you have certain ways to navigate life that could be more um easier than a poor man so what feminism gives us is the tools and the language to understand all oppression actually it's not just women's oppression but in most important how women's op- different oppressions um uh, actually connected and 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 for me if someone is interested in and really invested in dismantling oppression then feminism has to be something that they have to embrace and understand because it's not just a yesterday thing um for me for example in uganda when we talk about feminism often and how the labels um for many people it's quite new in in it's important to know that people have done feminist work way before um this queen mumuza who basically led a rebellion against two colonial powers the belgi the germans and the belgians and the in the british in uganda rwanda and tanzania and in congo this was um a woman who was using spirituality uh, african spirituality at the core of the rebellion and women have been leaders in all uh, in all senses so for me when i think of where we need to start especially is when you look around in what people call belief is largely led by men but yet we know traditionally women have been at the heart of spirituality and and and, and spirituality has been at the core of resistance and how do we actually come back to recognize that there's something amiss and as we struggle for our for liberation um not just from states but individual even within our own homes to be liberated is that we have to look at the spirit and in terms of spirit what where do you look are you looking to to deny um the very existence of african spirituality so for me that is a big challenge and and how how as a as as a, a spirit a spiritual leader and the rebellion leader inspires me a lot in your own personal life have you found Sorry, it i'm back now can you hear me oh yes we can hear you Sorry actually you that. can answer this next one like in uh-huh. your own personal life have you found it hard to claim the word feminist and have you faced any sort of judgment or backlash just for using the word feminist yes um so not really hard in that it's been a journey in terms of understanding it and getting a sense of who i am in the space and there's always like a lot of questions around the role that i play in different spaces and different structures and whether or not I'm perpetuating certain biases and lenses so not really claiming the word the word has always been easy for me to claim and understand um it's just learning more about it and learning more what the tools are such as the theoretical framing of feminism the dismantling of power structures so those are the core of the questions that I've had to ask myself but in terms of backlash almost consistently in almost all the spaces that I sit in there's backlash once I claim it and Usually I start any conversation by saying I am a feminist and everything else follows um I'm a socialist I'm a pan africanist and many different things but feminist always elicits so much violence because there's always an assumption there's always an assumption firstly that because you're feminist you hate men which is not true which is not true 
and which is a very narrow lens of what the issues are. The next thing is that because you're feminist, you're always willing, you're, you're always a person that's called upon for these arguments so people don't want to listen. I am also an academic and I sit in academic spaces and every time there's debates around women's rights and women's challenges that women face, it's often, often that people will always be like, well, what does Narima think about this? Or let's pull Narima in, not because they want to listen, but not because they want to actually take into account what your views are, but more just have the token feminist or the raging feminist to attack and to harass. And more often than not, even if you get into these debates, people don't engage with your premise. They just decide on their own what you're arguing and then they proceed to respond to it, no matter what your premise is. So for the most part, it's trying to it's been difficult trying to justify this is not about women only. Yes, women are disproportionately affected. Yes, obviously my lens um, my lens um, pushes me to women more so than other gender more so than other genders because that's who my lived experience is. But it's not a women's issue. It's an issue about power. It's an issue about oppression. It's an issue about structures of oppression that continue to exist that keep us where we are, not just as women, but also as men, as transgender persons, as queer persons, different lenses occur. But it's very difficult to get people to understand that. And then in the sense that even though you explain it over and over again, they will dismiss it. And they'll answer the question as if I had go- I had come and said that this is only about women and girls. So sometimes you switch off, sometimes you refuse to engage. But it is violent claiming the feminist space because of the kind of backlash that we receive in very many different place- spaces. For Linda, what sort of advice would you give to someone who's just now getting into the feminist space who doesn't have as much experience dealing with the sort of harassment or oppression that can come with claiming this space and standing up for the like for these rights what kind of advice would you give to that person um i mean i i would give advice that's reflective of the sort of experience that i had uh, moving into the space as a young woman where are brought into the space as intimated by Narima because of your lived experiences and only then do you begin to make your journey into understanding um, the sort of ideologies that you've been exposed to um, whether they've been nuanced or explicit Um, I mean the realization that a lot of the feminist teachings that we have for us if you're experiencing this from a point of education you're exposed to a lot of uh, western feminist ideologies without quite much room um, to be able to explore what we have in terms of african feminists a lot of the um, teachings that we have writings from from renowned authors uh, like dr tamale um, etc etc the one would be to look into what it means to be an African feminist, aside from understanding what we are being taught in terms of Western ideology and the Western movement, to be able to trace this. And this would, of course, go into looking at our colonial and post-colonial experiences, because at the root of this, um, experiences is what we have now in terms of current um, lived experiences in terms of the challenges that we face as women and girls in the African context to be able to understand this 
various and quite independent African ideologies that don't form the cracks of our education system, that don't form the cracks of our everyday interaction within the feminist space. So take that first initiative, um, source out other people who are involved in the movement of trying to carve out or bring out quite prominently what we now um, refer and identify with as African uh, feminism and also looking at the gender movement within our African context, how we experience womanhood, um, issues very relevant to our context, um, concepts such as motherism, Sichuanism, and also the element of female autonomy and how that has played out within our uh, political context because the feminist movement in itself is a political movement. Everything that uh, we stand for in itself is a political statement. If we're talking about hair, hair is political um, in our day-to-days, in how we are perceived in society, in our different workplaces. So being able to understand the little nuances that translate into a struggle that has been there uh, during, during the pre-colonial period, the colonial period and the post-colonial period, and being able to understand these denigrating aspects and how they relate to our African context then, now, and in the future. Also looking, um, being able to trace the first signs that we have of a movement in terms of the different contexts. Of contexts. Of course, we see that there are different um, nuances on culture when we look at Southern Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Northern Africa. So being able also to expand um, um, our understanding of these different movements and how they all form what we call African um, feminism and also the aspects of radical African feminism and what that looks like in terms of our day-to-day life. So that would be some of the advice that I would give anyone who's looking to come into the space, but also to understand the vilification of the word feminist in itself. For experiences here in Africa and Kenya specifically, there is there are no positive connotations outside of the space to be in, to identifying yourself as a feminist. So also understanding where that vilification comes from, and also trying to contextualize it within our African feminism. If you ask me, the vilification is identifying with a Western ideology that doesn't necessarily sit with who we have been as African women and who we are now as African women. And I think also some of the movement that we're seeing in terms of um, racial essentialism and gender essentialism. I couldn't hear what you said. Sorry, uh, within uh, the global region and also trickling down to Africa is a good time or is a good movement to have us question what ideologies we um, ascribe to um, as African women and how we will be able to take this forward quite uniquely and within our space without it being mad um, by uh, the Western aspect of feminism. Okay, and for Rosie, what do you think about the distinction that's been put um, between feminism and then there's black feminism and then there's also women, womanism and Afrofeminism. I do think Linda has touched on that in terms of what African feminism 
positioning African women both on the continent and and living in the diaspora and and how then we experience life and how the fact that we live in this place um, as African women in a place that is majority black in the place with colonial history um, and often outside probably South Africa that you do not South Africa um, Zimbabwe uh, that the invisibility of, uh, of, of of white supremacy that that made our very own states that we are living in colonial constructs um, I think that 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 in itself positions us in that way that you're based on this one and this is your experience and this is the experience of your struggle as a, an African woman and, and, and this is the experience of building resistance that your communities, um, women in your communities have done. So in that way, it brings different nuances than if you were probably situated in another place. But how this is um, uh, exists, um, as as uh, as in relation to black feminism uh which is about black women's experiences of racism sexism and classism and them being not separate they are not separate they are inseparable um and i think we had a conversation shortly before even this um protester on or against the murder of uh, of african-americans in in america by the police in in a series of police brutality that have gone on since God knows time uh, since since slavery and and this is like a, um, we were talking about someone asked me why is it so important to recognize uh, black feminism like you know it's it's it, I can I can use African feminism and black feminism depending on I think she's been cut off from us as well. Um, Nerima, if you're there, I think you can just continue on what she's just touching yeah, um, on. Okay, so I will continue what she was touching on. In the decision between African feminism, Afro-feminism, Black feminism, um, what else did you mention, Amanda? Um, womanism and Woman- feminism itself. Yes. Okay, so I'll just pick up from with what um, Rosie was saying around black feminism. It really does speak to positionality. So obviously people of African descent are facing violence within Africa and outside of Africa. And some people of African descent not living within Africa have never lived within Africa. So there were different experience of violence and the experience of violence that has brought rise to black feminism, at least in the US and probably across Europe as well as Australia where we're seeing more black feminist movements arising isn't it's a violence not from colonialism so to speak but the violence from capitalism within where they're placed especially with the US the violence from capitalism that has made them commodities consistently for their history till today they're still commodities and that then that breeds racism against them so that you can ensure that they continue to be commodities for capital and for labor so they, they continue to be cheap or unpaid labor and I think with black feminism one of the biggest challenges they have, which is what intersectionality speaks to, is that often within the context of America, often within the context of America, while the civil rights movement still continues, women are often told to put the issues aside, to put the issues at the back burner because the equality of black people is what is pressing 
and that is true but at the same time they can't stop being women they are women and they are black and that won't stop so they are consistently facing violence within even the civil rights movement because they told to put the issues at the back and then they can't really join white liberal feminism because then the race issues will be put to the back and then the intersectional issues that they face as black women are always put to the back so the black feminism you always see often it's a struggle not just to be seen as women but to be seen as black women and that's where we have intersectionality from Kimberly Crenshaw and other such authors so it would also speak to something that's quite similar with african feminism in trying to fight colonial structures and trying to fight capital and what it does and what it does for to women specifically but not to say that capitalism affects everybody quite violently unless you are the 1% so the rest of us are all being exploited in some way or the other even as a middle class person you are part of the spectrum of exploitation you just you are part of you have limited access to what's being produced because that's how the system is set up and structured and then we look at womanism and similarly womanism actually focuses more on highlighting the issues that affect women specifically while feminism really does look at what it means to challenge power structures that affect equality across the board and we do recognize in feminism a lot of our conversations go around womanhood and the experiences of womanhood and that's where you will find parallels with womanism but feminism doesn't stop the discourse once we discuss the lived experiences of women and how they interact with other structures within this world we go further to look at how oppression is manifesting in different ways and against different people including men but it's just for more often than not the conversations are being driven by women so then it's it's perceived as a woman's issue um i would also add and say that within womanism there is there are many parallels to feminism very many parallels to feminism but in trying to understand womanism is trying to understand not just what it means to have the gender construct having been applied to you so you have you are biologically a woman yes second that there is biologically female not a woman biologically female and then there's a construct that's been created called woman that gender construct that now you have to meet up to and and live up to and womanism tries to look at whether or not your biological sex and the gender construct literally must match and then what it means to have that gender construct and what it means for your ability to exist in this world effectively efficiently and to prosper and to thrive so to speak so there are definitely parallels that come with looking at structures and looking at power and trying to dismantle such systems but feminism does go a step further in looking at how this affects looking at how oppression affects everyone in different ways and how these systems of oppression continue to manifest themselves i always say capitalism breeds racism breeds patriarchy and cyclically that continues to happen and as long as we don't look at oppression multifacetedly we will start to fight it in different silos but never actually address it so to talk about george floyd as only a issue of race is to ignore the reason people like george floyd are in the us which is capitalism and not to and to think that you can address racism without addressing capitalism is quite it's not going to change because this will create another system of oppression maybe it won't be black maybe it will be another people but capital needs people to exploit so as long as it exists they will find someone it will be either women 
or black people or any other type of person that really doesn't fit who the world is made for which is white heteronormative persons so which is white women white men not even white women so to speak white men cisgender white males that is who the world is made for and then everybody else has some degree of separation from that person has to be exploited for that person to continue to exist undeterred and obviously class also plays class plays a role here um ethnicity plays a role there's different lenses you can look at that will actually push further away from who this world was created for and feminism tries to unmask those systems of oppression womanism tries to do the same but only within the lens of gender and bio and biological sex it's your girl mandy and you're listening to it's a feminist thing thank you guys for everything and that's been very very enlightening i've learned a lot just one last question that each of you can answer so we're starting um with rosie then nerima then linda basically what are any myths or stereotypes about feminism that you'd like to address once and for um <laughs> if i may flip this is that for me what's amazing is always the stereotypes that women are told that women are even when we know we are not that we kind of buy into that i think you've seen this probably uh, messages shared on facebook about share a photo of yourself and regurgitate this post about not bringing down women but it's all playing to patriarchy it looks like support but it's playing on a stereotype that women are not each other's support yet every woman every society every home if you ask anybody people who have upheld them you'll be you'll find that these are women doing most of the hard labor every day and paid labor told up communities told up uh, their daughters told up their friends but when you go outside the outside tells you that women have not done anything that they like to fight and usually it's this is a male gaze of women and and for me I'm, i would say that i'm happy that feminism debunks that and tells you that what it is that that is patriarchy uh, and patriarchy is scared of sisterhood of women understanding and teaching each other um not just to survive but to understand what the system is Um, thanks Rosie. I think I would add I would say that one of the myths about feminism that I've experienced is that either um feminists hate men or feminists are angry or bitter <laughs> or feminists hate men or that we're angry or bitter. Um so for one I would say um as a feminist and as somebody who's gone more into the space and trying to understand systems and power one of the reasons I be came feminist wasn't because um of my experience with maleness though that is a reason I continue to be feminist it's really been my experience of the power and oppression in different lenses and i started to get into this space more because i could see that we'll cyclically be in this problems forever if we don't recognize it and i think the first thing that that hit me that i needed to understand more about the world and how things work was when i was 14 and we were discussing um the US invading Iraq and the fact that the security council said no you can't but they still did and nothing happened and nothing was ever going to happen and really trying to understand how this power thing works and how it affects different people an entire country was invaded and there's an entire human rights mechanism meant to stop that and that couldn't do it 
And I started to start to, I needed to understand how power plays a part in how we engage and how we interact. And I started to see that it seeps into nearly everything, including how I was being raised vis-a-vis how my brothers were being raised. It seeps into everything. So it's not about a dislike of men. Men often benefit from power. Men benefit from patriarchy. Men benefit from capitalism. Men benefit from very many forms of oppression. But men are also victims of very many forms of oppression. It's not about hating men. It's about hating oppression. And if you're my oppressor as a man, then I might not. I, might, I will not like you, and I don't understand why I have to like you. It's been one of those things. That like feminists just hate men. No, we don't just hate men. We just we hate oppression. We are fighting against oppression. And if you are our oppressor then necessarily we will be fighting against you. So often people try to um, mislabel our intentions or misrepresent how we, how, we, how we enter into the discourse by making it sound like it's just bitterness or it's just a dislike of another gender unfounded. But if ever we were, if ever people thought to listen, and often they won't, they won't try to listen or try to engage in your premise, then they would understand Feminism has very little to do with exactly the other gender. It has a lot to do with the power that the other gender wields over us to control us. So that's the issue. And how this then also happens with systems, with capital, with systems of, with political systems, with communities, with families. But it really has very little to do with the other gender by itself. It's how they use power to control women, how they use power to subjugate other whether it's black people, whether it's people who are not, whether it's people who are queer, just the use of power to subjugate other people is the main issue for me as a feminist. So that feminist hates men narrative is really irritating for me consistently. Love that because I totally also relate to that. Why should you love someone who's oppressing you? And we're not out here hating everybody. We're talking about particular issues that we don't you know exactly stand for but anyway um linda what's your take on this um i think for me the one myth that i would love to dispel is that uh feminism is a foreign concept that it doesn't or it has never existed within our african culture and our day-to-day i think that's one key thing and my key um, weapon or sort of insights on that would be understanding the various forms the base track he takes within um, the movement and how we try to uh, bring about equality. I mean, the other day, a very close family uh, friend of mine told me that um, equality is us dividing everything by half, chores by half, everything by half. And when they tell me you're a feminist, aren't you? I, I, I appreciated the, the, the show of interest or knowledge in some of the concepts that we work in within the movement, but I don't think there was a very clear understanding of um, some of the key notions that we have to go through, for example, in the household, um, unpaid unpaid care work, and understanding how that forms into our day-to-day existence as women um, within the home space and also within the professional space. And also trying to understand um, that because you've moved into the space, it doesn't mean that 
what we know or what we ascribe to within the space would be used um, against us. So firmly understanding the tenets that form our feminist beliefs, um, dependent on whatever tenet you fall upon or whatever school of thought your feminism is built up of and how that applies in the day-to-day -day, um, interactions at work, uh, with friends, with family, and also um, being a, in a position to break it down in a language that is can be identifiable to people. I think that would be one key way, not as a means to try and justify um, our feminist way of thinking, our feminist practice, but as a way of um, trying to put it into contexts that are um, understandable to people and um, sort of just demystifying a lot of the myths and misconceptions that exist within our societies, even to the family uh, units. And also being able to differentiate that even though you ascribe to, for example, you're an African feminist, doesn't mean that you don't identify with the different struggles of different feminists in different contexts, but also in a way that we are all in the same struggle, but respect the different variations or, or the multifaceted um, impact of patriarchy within our various contexts. So that would be my key driver towards um, demystifying a lot of the myths and misconceptions and also being alert to the various, because patriarchy morphs into a different animal within different generations. So being able to identify the face it has taken within our generation and how we as a feminist movement can be able to address our very unique contextual issues yet still moving together as um, one foundational movement globally, regionally, and even nationwide. All right, um, thank you so much uh, for joining this conversation and being with me today for the very first episode, ladies. Um, can you please just let people know exactly where they can find you and your work or get to know more about you and connect with you as well? Who should start? Yeah, you can start. <laughs> you can start with Rosie, then Linda and Nirama as well. Yeah, thanks. It's been a good chat. Um, let's continue the conversation. I'm always on Twitter at RoseBellK, and I'm the editor for African Feminism. So there's always a story that you can relate to on our website from different African countries. Um, thanks. Um, I'm Nerima Were, I'm Program Manager for the Social Reproductive Health and Rights Unit at Kellen Kenya. I'm also Chichara Fellow at the University of Nairobi. You can find me on Twitter at Nemo Were, on Instagram at Nemo underscore Akini, on Facebook as Nerima Were, and also I am part of a collaborative process to edit a book and there's a call for chapters right now called it's called the things fuck boys say so anyone who'd like to send it anyone who'd like to send an abstract and write a chapter in this book you're very welcome it's on my twitter uh, my facebook and my instagram um you can find me on twitter at uh, lynn 
Kruger, that's K-R-O-E-G-E-R, on Instagram as Kruger Lane, K-R-O-E-G-E-R-L-I-N, and on Facebook as Linda Kruger. I work with Narima at Kalin in the Sexual and Reproductive Health Rights thematic area. Uh, I'm the program officer there. I'm also um, a human rights lawyer and obviously a feminist. <laughs> Thank you so much, ladies, and thank you for listening. You can subscribe, and I'll make sure that everyone's content details are in the description. Check us out next week for another episode. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please like, subscribe, share, and tell a friend to tell a friend. We're really looking for more women to interview from all around Africa and all around the world, especially if you're a woman of color. We're all about amplifying. So please, please fill in the form below, and we'll be in touch with you for one for our follow-up episodes or for a feature on our blog. This is a feminist thing.